This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman. Brought to you by Decisions in Dentistry and the Academy of Dental CPAs. Whether it's taxes, investing, or planning wisely, Art is your guide to make your dental practice as profitable as possible. Here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to a very, very special edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman, CPA. My name is Art Wiederman. I'm a dental-specific CPA. Uh, My CPA practice is located in Southern California in the city of Tustin, and I'm also a proud member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, which is 24 CPA firms across the United States uh, that represent uh, over 9,000 dentists. And today I have a real treat for all of you. Uh, we are recording this show on Sunday afternoon, the 19th of April. And uh, we are a little over a month into the COVID-19 pandemic, which has obviously gripped our our nation and as well the dental profession. And uh, we at the Academy of Dental CPAs and the American Dental Association have been have been living this, uh, you know, seven days a week uh, dealing with all of the issues. And today I have two amazing guests with me, two people that have made um, contributions to the dental profession that 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 can't even be measured. Uh, we have uh, Megan Mortimer, who is the congressional lobbyist for the American Dental Association, as well as our, as our Academy of Dental CPAs president, Alan Schiff, who is a, a a dear friend and brother of mine, and has actually, if you've been listening to the ADA webinars, you've heard, I believe, Megan and Alan have been both participating in those that have gone out to, I think, something like thirty thousand dentists, forty thousand dentists over the. The last couple of weeks, and I think Alan is going to be doing another one. But today we're going to talk about where we are. So, so just for a time frame, folks, we're dealing with um, the fact that this podcast will go up on the internet on Wednesday, the twenty second of April. Uh, so, what you hear today is probably going to be a little different than what is going on. But I think we can give you a pretty good idea of, of where we are. Uh, Megan's going to talk a lot about where we are in the process, where we are with uh, additional PPP funding. Alan and I will, and Megan will talk about some planning that you can do. Uh, and, and so I think this is going to be very, very informative. So before we get started and I bring them on, uh, I want to give you some information. If you want to get a hold of me in my office in uh, Tustin, I'm at 714-505-9000. If you want to send me an email, and I have gotten uh, hundreds of emails, literally, from all of you all over the country. I've gotten to pretty much every one of them. Thank you so much for listening and, and asking questions. And, uh, you know, Alan and, and Megan and I are about helping the dental profession, and we want to make sure that we get you all the answers and all the resources and tools. Email me at artweederman at gmail.com. Uh, our partner, and we have, we have several partners in this. De- uh, Decisions in Dentistry magazine is a wonderful, wonderful magazine. Uh, go to their website at www.decisionsindentistry.com. You can actually get to the, um, uh, the, the weekly podcast through there. Also through our firm website, which has got a whole bunch of resources, uh, www.hmwccpa.com and all. And then folks, I will also tell you that if you have not started working with a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, I mean, there is no time in your professional careers 
that that you will get the benefit of working with one of our group uh, than you will t- uh, than you will now. I mean, we have been living this, and w- we've had four or five uh, you know w- uh, webcast webinars, if you will, Zoom meetings where we've talked about all this. We've had one that had almost a hundred members of the ADCPA on it, and. Uh, some of our members are just, uh, we're all on top of this. So if you are looking for a, a dental-specific CPA anywhere in the United States, go to our website, which is www.adcpa.org. Click on the member list, and you can go to any state, and you'll you'll find us. Um, we also do have a special uh, sponsor for today's show. Uh, today's podcast is sponsored by Crosstex International, uh, which is a proud member of Euphrates Group and a recognized leader for its portfolio of personal protection equipment, PPEs, dental unit, dental unit waterline treatments, chemistries, sterilization, preventatives, nitrous oxide equipment, and single-use disposable products. Crosstex is dedicated to making vital contributions to healthcare through high-quality solutions, services, and education, which improve outcomes for dental professionals and patients. And folks, part of what everybody's going to have to deal with is getting that very, very critical PPE equipment. So this would be a time for you guys to check in with the folks at Crosstex International and see what they've got to offer so that when you are able to open your dental offices, you have this. And I do want to make one more announcement. We we at the ADCPA are doing webinars and seminars and on the Internet, and I'm going to be announcing each week. Um, this Thursday, uh, 1.30 Eastern Time, um, David Goodman's firm, LG Goodman and Company, is going to be doing a, uh, a webinar. So if you go to our, web, um, uh, our website at www.adcpa.org, click on the New Jersey member, New York, New Jersey member, and uh, contact David's firm and sign up for that webinar. I know they have space, and they're going to be talking about all the updates on, uh, on all of this. So Without further ado, I want to introduce my two dear friends, uh, Megan Mortimer, from uh, who is the Congressional Lobbyist for the American Dental Association. Welcome, Megan. Hi, Art. Hi, Alan. And, Hi. and Alan Schiff, my dear friend and brother, who is the president of our Academy of Dental CPAs. And as I mentioned earlier, for those of you who have been... Um, Listening to the ADA's webinars, uh, Alan and Megan have both been on this. I mean, Alan has been on the forefront uh, as the leader of our group. And, uh, you know, we talk about leadership in a dental practice. Uh, Alan, you've been an amazing leader of our group and advocate, and, and uh, I love you for it. And so welcome. Thank you, Art. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. And Megan, happy to be with, you know, I'm honored to be on this uh, with you as well. And so I'm really looking forward to sharing our knowledge, and I hope in those that are um, tuning in, we'll get a lot out of the next hour that we're all going to be sharing. Well, be, be, before we get started on the on the topic, Alan, I think unfortunately you and I need to uh, that the, this this COVID nineteen pandemic has hit the ADCPA personally. It it, it happened a couple of days ago. Um, we are very very deeply saddened to report that our dear friend. Uh, Larry Goodman, uh, from our New York uh, firm, uh, sadly passed away sun- Friday night from the COVID-19 virus. And uh, Alan, he was, I mean, he was just an amazing guy, wasn't he? Yes, he was amazing. Um, every time he participated at our ADCPA me- meetings, it was, uh, everybody just listened. You know, there was no noise in the room. He had uh, good quality content. 
Um, he made us better, made us much better than what we were. And I have always, um, always enjoyed his input, his vision, uh, his planning, his ability to take something that was complex and be able to give it to us so that we all can understand it. And uh, he will be sore, sorely missed. And it's pretty sad that it's hit our family, our ADCPA family, but we're human and these things happen. And um, we can only give um, his son, David, and his uh, entire team up in New York and New Jersey just really good wishes and hope that they carry on his legacy for many, many years. Yeah, I'll tell a, I'll tell a quick story. So when we had our ADCPA meeting in New York, um, uh, Larry took me, I'm a, I'm a golfer. Larry took me, uh, as his guest to the Westchester country club. Now, for those of you who are golf fans up until about five or six years ago, the PGA tour held their annual New York golf tournament at Westchester. Westchester is a, a, an old prestigious golf club. He brought me in, he got me clubs rented and we played and we just spent 18 holes together, you know, four and a half, five hours playing and, and, and his funniest thing is, okay, so Art, we're going to take a break here at the 14th hole. I said, why? He says, because there's a little shack. See that shack over there, Art? That shack has the best hot dogs in the, on the PGA tour. Tom Watson and Jack Nicholas said that over and over again. So we went into the shack. I got two hot dogs with sauerkraut and mustard. And, and it was just like the best hot dogs I ever had. And Larry says, see, I told you, I told you. And, and he just had a big smile. So we are going to deeply miss him. I, I also have, I mentioned it once on the podcast. Actually, sadly, this is, we, we also lost our dear friend Ted Schumann in December. And, uh, and he was, uh, we're going to talk about them in a later podcast. And, and, but it's, you know, when this thing hits you, I mean, this is the closest it's hit me, Alan. And, um, so God bless, uh, David and Hope and their whole team and their family and their beautiful girls and, um, and, and, uh, you know, Larry's, uh, Larry's looking down on us having an egg cream, I think, Alan. That's probably yeah. what's happening. So, all right. Well, let's, let's get to our topic today. Megan, I want to start off with you. Tell, tell us a little bit about you and your, your career path and, and, and tell us what does a lobbyist for the, uh, American Dental Association to Congress, what, what, what does one do as a lobbyist? Well, I have an odd story of how I came to become a lobbyist. Um, my, my thought was always, you know, I was going to go to grad school. I came down to D.C. for grad school. Um, I was uh, bartending full-time while going to grad school full-time. And I thought that I would go and work on the Hill, just like most of my colleagues. You end up going and staffing on the Hill. And, um, you know, you work in a congressional office handling legislative policy for a congressional member. And that's usually how everybody kind of gets their experience. Unfortunately, I graduated from um, my master's program in about 2008. So... Job prospects weren't great um, out in the private sector, and there was a lot of competition for Hill jobs. And living in D.C. is expensive, so I was hopeful that I could get, get my staffing job and then keep my bartending gig. Unfortunately, that's not allowed <laughs> on the Hill at the time. Now they're much more flexible. I think they should change those rules, Megan. I really do. They, they, they have, actually, because of the expense. Um, I, unfortunately, was like the, kind of the first generation of dealing with that. But I didn't have anyone to supplement my income. I paid for my own rent and bills. And so when I said I have to go and leave at 4 p.m. every day to you know, go to my bartending gig, that was a no-go. So I was lucky enough that I worked at Morton's for two and a half years, Morton's Steakhouse in D.C., and I got these regulars on Wednesdays that worked in a number of different private lobbying shops. And so when I was done and I told them that I wasn't going to be working on the Hill, they were like, well, that's great because we want to offer you a job in our lobbying shop. And so I went straight to the private sector, which is a little bit rare. 
also without a law degree. That was a little rare at the time. And I started in a very small firm. They specialized in maritime law, which not a lot of people did. Um, I then went to a larger firm um, that was based, um, headquartered in Philadelphia and kind of grew from 15 people to about 100 when I left about two and a half, three years ago to work for the ADA. Um, I was uh, brought over by someone who had worked at my previous lobbying firm before and decided that he thought I'd be a good fit. Um, we have a team of four congressional lobbyists, uh, one who's the director and three of us. I work with two other wonderful women who are great at congressional lobbying. And then we have a three-person team that does the policy and does a lot of the agency lobbying. As you guys are both aware, however, that has changed for me. I've been doing a lot of agency work uh, the last month, especially. Um, and what does lobbying mean? Everyone asks me this question. Some see it as a dirty word. I do not. I think anyone needs to have representation before Congress and the federal government. And as an association lobbyist, I can tell you I'm not rolling in it. Um, it's not something that you don't go into association lobbying to be like making money hand over fist. You do it because you either believe in the mission or you believe in the profession you're representing or, or you really want to work for the team you're with. So what do I do on a daily basis? Um, I will look at legislation, read it, see if it, it pertains to the profession of dentistry, see if it's detrimental to the profession of dentistry. I will then alert it to the team. We will then do um, any number of things. We can write a coordinated letter between us and other dental specialties coming from our leadership to protest or support a piece of legislation. Um, if I do agree with a piece of legislation, I may schedule Hill meetings with influential members of Congress on that issue and say, hey, the ADA and our 163,000 members support this piece of legislation. We need you to move forward with it. I will write letters to Congress. I will attend hearings and write testimony for congressional um, for, for congressional hearings in which maybe there will be a dentist that's, that's being represented or someone from our leadership that's coming to testify, a number of different issues. Um, and we split up the responsibilities based on issues and committees. So I handle tax, small business, veterans issues, higher education, student loan reform. And then if I have to be brought into Medicaid or Medicare, I will also step in there. I then have a colleague that just works on appropriations and making sure all of the federal funding programs that we support get taken care of. And then my other colleague handles a lot of the healthcare policy, insurance issues, et cetera. So a lobbyist does a number of things. I mean, I can be going to my eight o'clock in the morning breakfast for a congressperson where we're fundraising for them or helping support them. And then I have a 10 o'clock call with various coalitions that I, I participate in on behalf of the ADA. Um, I can be doing conference calls with um, you know, various members of medical specialty groups that we have friendships with. Um, and again, I will write letters. I will uh, correspond with staff people on the Hill who have questions about dentistry and how something might be affected and how we can come in. So that's kind of the basics. I hope I didn't give too much. No, no, no. This is this is fascinating. So tell me about what your what March fifteenth and sixteenth when this really started. How did your life change, and and, and what what gear did you move into? So um, we moved into the, the I mean fourteen hour days started almost immediately. Um, we were still trying to navigate everything that we could do from the congressional and from the agency standpoint to support the profession. Uh, we were making sure that we weren't excluded when people were talking about medical professionals. We were ensuring that the ADA was representing what the profession needed at that time, first and foremost, when congressional members would come to us. Because we have a lot of champions. We have five dentist members of Congress who ask us, what do you need? What do you need right now? What do your business owners need right now? What do you need in terms of PPE support? Um, so that started. Um, and then I was tasked specifically with focusing on the small business loan issues. 
right. because taxes are my uh, wheelhouse. Um, Alan and I actually started our friendship and relationship with the pass-through provision that happened in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Oh. I was a baby at the ADA. I was one and a half months in when that started, and I was lost. And Mike Graham, my boss, said, I have a great resource for you. And I was like, great. I need all the help I can get. And Alan and I corresponded, and he helped clarify a lot of those issues for us. So that also, March 15th, also reignited our relationship again and our relationship with the ADCPA because I can't do this without you guys. The ADA can't do this without you. Yeah, so are the nuts and bolts on the ground and we are policy people that are thrown in the deep end of trying to figure this out. So, so Megan, talk about how, I mean, I, I, first of all, I, I am thrilled that we got to meet you. Thank you, Alan, for bringing our group, uh, Mike Graham and, and Megan, uh, Megan Mortimer, because I mean, we have access through you guys to, I mean, you, you told me the other day, Megan, that you, you, when treasury sends out an email, you're one of the first ones to get it, right? So you've got this. I mean, we were literally on Megan has been kind enough to come on to my firm webcast a couple of times and we're literally sitting there talking and Megan says, oh, Art, I just got an email from Treasury. I mean, it's that quick, right? So talk about the relationship with the ADCPA and, and, and how that's been working out. So again, I mean, I, I knew when this started, um, Mike and I had a phone call and I said, you know who we need to bring in. And Mike's like, I'm already doing it. And I was like, great, because I, <laughs> we need ADCPA and I need, I need Alan. Cause I just trust, I trust you guys to know, to translate it for me. Right. How does this, I can, I can look at a law and look at it generally, but I need to look at you guys and say, how does this affect dental profession, the dental profession specifically? How does this affect your clients? Because how it affects your clients is how it's going to affect all dentists. Um, and their employees, et cetera. So that started, and I feel like we've been talking almost every other day, if not on webinars, and we email multiple times a day because I'll get guidance from Treasury. I will then send it to you and a couple of our other contacts. Say, hey, what do you guys think about this? We've also been working with some of the lender friends that you guys have relationships with. Right. And, help. Um, and then I'll send it to you and I'll say, what do you guys think? How does, I read it. I, I think I see here and here and here. But from a CPA perspective, I really need to know if I'm reading this. Hey, Alan, I almost feel like Megan is now an honorary member of the Academy. In fact, I think I think we need to – you're the president. You're in charge. So can we, like, make her, like, an official honorary member of the ADCPA, like, on this podcast right now? Art, we can. We can. We can waive her annual dues. <laughs> I think we should waive her annual dues. I, th- I think we should – We'll leave that money in the PPP program for everybody. So, uh, but no, that's great. So, so Megan, let, let's talk about where we are right now. So, last Wednesday, uh, the funding for the for the three hundred forty nine billion dollar payroll protection program ran out. I mean, all the money was accounted for. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody got their money on Wednesday. It just means that all the people who had approval le- approval numbers from the SBA, that $349 billion is signed, sealed, delivered, and done, and it's gone. And uh, d- we, we know that that wasn't enough money. So let's talk about the fact that they're talking about, you know, adding to it because there's a lot of small businesses that, that either didn't get approved, didn't get funded. And, and, and I will tell you, I'll give you my opinion and you guys can comment on this. This is going to go down as one of the biggest banking debacles in American history, and it's not the bank's fault, and it's not the ADA's fault. Uh, this thing, I mean, th- imagine, folks, that you got 10,000 new patients into your office in a morning, 
And imagine that also on top of that, um, your state uh, society and, and, and Megan and the ADA said, all right, every morning you got in, there's a new email. Okay, now you have to do a crown prep this way. This is the cement you have to use. Every single day they'd be changing. Isn't that kind of what this, is, what this was like, Megan? It's a great metaphor for sure. So we saw Congress move at lightning speed, right, to get this initial uh, amount of money and the program up and running. And then we saw the agencies making promises that they couldn't deliver, right? I mean, we saw it with the idle loan. The grants were supposed to be within three days. People were waiting 14 days. Um, we saw it with PPP in terms of like just giving us piecemeal rules to follow. Changing the application twice in a matter of 12 hours for the PPP, let alone the idle uh, loan change that happened at 930 on a Saturday or Sunday night. Sunday night. Yeah. yeah. And so the lenders are doing their best to try to guide their clients and um, any any new people that come to them to say, is this good for me? What will you give me? We saw a lot of disjointed messaging um, from different lenders because they were unclear as to what they mandated were mandated to do and what they had flexibility to do when it came to implementing this. So I do think that it was done very quickly and that's part of it. it I would have taken a little bit longer if I were the agencies yes. seven days to get all my ducks in a row and then launch the program as opposed to doing it in 72 hours. Um, and the SBA just doesn't have the staffing. And they were given a lot of money for staffing in the CARES Act, but you can't hire people in 48 hours to handle the insane uh, amount of applicants. And even if you could, you can't train them. Right, exactly. So I'll see on a lot of different political rags, we call it the rags or the Hill newspapers within you know the Beltway that we lobbyists read that are kind of inside the Beltway speak. And you'll see ads for SBA every day. We are hiring, we are hiring, we are hiring. But they just need thousands of more workers. Um, and they just they can't physically process this amount of applications. They, they, yeah. they said on the news, Alan and Megan, that the SBA has processed 14 more applications in this two to three week period, two week period, than they had in the last 14 years. Right. And so we're not only worrying about the applications and that, but we're, we're nervous about what we're going to see on the back end of this. I mean, processing these things so quickly, there could be a number of issues so, that happen later. Alan, I want to jump to you. You've talked to a lot of the bankers. I know yes. that. I know that. Yes. What are you hearing from them about this whole thing? Well, it's, it's a, interesting uh, that you should ask that. Or Many of the banks feel they could use another 2,000 employees to help process all the applications. Uh, yeah. Many of them are saying that the volume of the PPP process far exceeds their current portfolio of loans that they currently have. They've taken a lot of the bankers off of the practice acquisition and sales side and made them PPP loan specialist just to service the volume of PPP loans. So, so folks listening out there, I know that some of you haven't gotten your PPP loans or you, you made application or you had, you had issues maybe with, with the process. Again, you, you've got to give the banks a mulligan on this one because this, this was not their doing. I mean, um, I, I heard, I don't know, Megan, if you were the one that told me the SBA hired Amazon to build them a portal. Maybe you're, to, somebody told me that. Um, to, to, to be able to make this whole thing work in the time frame that they were given. So, so everybody needs to be really patient. I mean, I, I think the banks have, with the number of loans that they've processed in the last two weeks, have, have just done an incredible job with, with all the challenges that have been put in front of them. So, 
But anyway, so so Megan, now now we're on uh, you know we're coming to Monday uh, Monday the twentieth, and um, I know that uh, some of you might have seen uh, uh, House Speaker Pelosi was interviewed on George Stephanopoulos's Sunday morning program, and so Megan, you might have some updated information as now again. You'll be listening to this as early as Wednesday morning, so this may be old news, but but this is kind of where we think we're going. Uh, what what are you hearing? So you know the back and forth last week was about um, funding in general, and that the Republicans wanted to just do a straight, clean two hundred fifty billion infusion into PPP. Democrats wanted additional funding for PPP, but also idle loans, idle grants, money to hospitals, money to states. So they tried to vote. The Republicans tried to force a unanimous consent vote on this, and it failed last week uh, twice. Um, but they have come to an agreement, supposedly. So now we are at um, 300 billion for PPP, um, 75 billion for idle the idle loan program, and 75 billion for the hospitals. Um, those numbers are probably going to change a bit, but at least we have a framework of a deal reached out, and it's nice that we're seeing 300 billion as opposed to the initial 250 billion. When are we going to see that vote? I am hopeful that the Senate can take it up tomorrow um, under, you know, unanimous consent so they don't have to come back. It's a whole inside the beltway move. But if they do unanimous consent, no one has to come back into D.C. Um, and then the House can pass it um, as early as Tuesday. But I'm thinking more Wednesday, Thursday or Friday for it to pass the entire Congress and go to the president for signature. Uh, but now remember, political posturing can happen at any time. It is D.C. People like to play their cards during brinkmanship time. So I'm not, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful and optimistic it'll happen, but I'm never going to hundred percent guarantee it. Cause there's always these wild card members that could cause or kerfuffle. Yeah. So, so Alan, let's, let's talk about what our dentists should be doing. Okay. Uh, I mean, so Megan is telling us that, that th- this is, this is probably going to happen. I, I can't see it falling apart because if it falls apart, uh, we will probably have a whole new Congress and a whole new everything in November because the small businesses are really, really struggling, and as, of course, our dentists are because uh, there is no playbook, Alan, for my business has no revenues and I still have to pay overhead. So, so Alan, l- let's talk about our advice as far as if we have people th- – there's three different types of dentists that, that are in this queue – the people that have gotten their, their money, whether they've either gotten their loan and they've gotten their money, some people have gotten their money, and others uh, who are, they have their they have their number from the SBA, they've been approved, they're good, they don't have their money, they're going to get their money. Th- those, those two folks are not the ones that I'm worried about. What I'm worried about is someone who's applied, who, who put the application in and they, they didn't get there in time for whatever reason. And then also those who haven't applied. So I, I know that we, you and I were talking before we went on the air here that, uh, uh, there are people saying, well, maybe you should wait. Maybe you should wait. I don't know. Let's, let's talk about that for a second. What do you think? Well, I think you, you're right, Art. We have three, three opportunities here. Folks that have gotten their PPP funds and what should they do with them? Those that are in the queue knowing that they've applied and they're just waiting to hear from their SBA preferred lender. And the third one is, well, I'm kind of thinking about timing this. I was told to time it, and when should I apply? And I, I think we all learned a lesson over the last week or two that they funded $349 billion in 14 days. That's equivalent to 14 years worth of funding. 
I don't think there's any more waiting uh, as far as our advice to, to our, our listeners today. I think you're either going to apply and pursue the PPP or you won't apply, you won't uh, pursue the PPP, and then you would then think about the retention tax credit because you can't do both. You can either get the PPP loan or the retention tax credit. And um, that, you know, there's opportunities there as well. Uh, but Art, before we get into the retention tax credit, let's talk about those that have applied that have the proceeds. Right. Um, as many of our listeners uh, probably know that the ADCPA and the ADA are working really, really hard together to try to get Congress to listen to this eight-week program. And we're not certain whether or not we have gotten any ears on this. And surely, Megan, you could probably bring us up to date on that. But let's let's assume for today's conversation as of now, we're not going to get an extension. And you have your money and you have to spend it within eight weeks. I think then you have to meet with your dental-specific CPA to plan out your strategy, how you can spend your PPP funds within the eight-week period and get maximum loan forgiveness. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. So I'm, I'm going to use an example. And Alan, uh, you have put together a great spreadsheet, which you shared with the group. So we've got, we've got every ADCPA member has got access to a spreadsheet. So there's two spreadsheets that we're using, Alan and Megan. The first spreadsheet is a planning spreadsheet because, folks, here's what you need to do. Okay, and I'm going to use an example. I was on the phone with a client of our firm's on Friday. Uh, he got approved for $123,000, which he just emailed me before we started recording that he's going to get on Monday. So he says, all right, Art, now what do we do? Because this is the next step, Alan. This is great. Alan, you, you've been great. Art, you've been great. ADCPA, you've been great. You got it. You got the thing filled out for us. We filled it out. We got to the bank. We got, okay, now we got the money. Okay, now, now what do we do? Because again, there is this forgiveness provision that the government is giving the dentists and all the small business op- people the opportunity to forgive. So, so Alan, here's what we did with this doctor. And, and I kind of worked backwards. I said, okay, doctor, here's the deal. Um, how much is your rent and how much are your, your utilities and your, your, your payments for um, interest on the loans? And we came up with a number of $18,000. I said, okay, you can pay your rent. Now you get $105,000 left. I said, what you need to do, and this is what Alan's spreadsheet does magically, is it, 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 you put down each employee's name. And, and we don't have the guidance, and this is key, that we don't have the guidance yet, folks, to tell you exactly how all the nuances of, well, can I give a retention bonus, or can I pay people ahead, or can I pay them behind, or can I, can I buy Baltimore Ravens ticket? No, we know we can't do that. But anyway, so the point is, is that what, what can we do and how do the rules work? Because at the end of the day, everyone, remember, after this is this eight-week period is done, you're going to put a package together and you're going to send it to the lender, whether it's a bank or a financial institution. And, and, and that, that's going to go to an underwriter who hasn't lived this nightmare the way the three of us and the ADCPA and the ADA have, have lived it. And they're going to have a list of a checklist to say, okay, does this check? Does this check? So we've got to make sure that we follow the rules to a T. And so what Alan's spreadsheet does is it says, okay, Susie, the office manager is making $60,000 for eight weeks. That's how much this is. And the hygienist makes this and the back office makes this and the associate and blah, 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 blah. And at the end of the day, so with my client, we had 118,000, 123,000. We took five, uh, 18 off, which was a 
leaves 105. And so then I said, show me how much you're, you're paying your employees. And it actually came to about $90,000. And I said, that's great. So we can start paying these people. And I don't have the rules yet. I said, when's your next payroll? He says, May 1. I said, that's great. So we will have the guidance by May 1, or at least as much guidance as we're going to get. And that leaves 15000 But Alan, we can, if he's an S corporation, he can take salary. Well, what we just said? It was like 15340 some odd dollars for an eight-week. And by the way, folks, when you count your period, don't count two months. Okay, it, it, it's like with a, an IRA rollover. It's not two months, it's 60 days. With this, it's not two months, it's eight weeks. So with him, we're going to use 90000 for payroll, and we're going to use 15000 for his salary. And the great thing about the spreadsheet, I mean, I, I'll tell you what, several of our members – um, came up with, with, with spreadsheets. I think, I think, uh, Mark Rosen came up with one and I think Alan Kate did, who else came up with a couple of them others? Maggie came up. Maggie with came up with a great one. The bottom line is what these spreadsheets do is every time you make an expenditure, okay, it keeps track of where are you, where are you at? Cause we have to use 75% of this money as payroll costs. So the first spreadsheet is the planning. So before you even touch this money, ladies and gentlemen, what you need to do is you need to do a plan as to kind of the 35,000 foot view, right, Alan, of how are we going to use it? Because if we just start spending money and then you're out of payroll and you're at 50% and you don't have enough rent, you're not going to get all of the forgiveness that the that the code uh, section 1106 of the CARES Act gives you. So talk a little bit about the, the spreadsheets that we're using, Alan. Yeah. All right. Thank you. And thank you so much for mentioning the spreadsheet. I built the spreadsheet initially just to account for all the members of your practice. And the ideal dental practice has an office administrator, maybe two front desks, uh, two chair side, two hygienists, and then yourself. And you just plot it out. You figure out, you know, what you're paying your office administrator, what you're paying your two front desks, your chair side and your hygienist and yourself. And, um, I try to build it so that you would come within the 75-25 threshold. Um, the 75% are defined as payroll cost. So or I think we have to be careful because a lot of folks think it's just payroll, but I think we should define what payroll costs are for okay. our listeners. Okay. So, so, and again, we've gotten a little bit of mixed guidance here. So in the code, in the CARES Act, it talks about that you are allowed to count up to $100,000 of compensation, uh, actual cash compensation that includes bonus, paid time off, sick time, anything that would go pretty much into a, um, into your payroll person. Remember folks, it also includes if your, if your company has, if your practice has like a flexible spending account or a cafeteria plan, um, those amounts are paid out of the employee's salary, but they're not taxed on it. So I had a, I had a, a $6 million oral surgery group and the difference between their 940 line one, Alan, and their W3 line five was $50,000. So we use the bigger number because you're allowed to include all of those benefits. So it's payroll costs, it's health insurance that you pay for the employees. So the health insurance for the employees is not the total check you write, but it's the amount net of whatever you take out of their salaries and their retirement costs. So we think it's like, now, now for the, for the corporations, is it clear, Alan, whether the doctor's portion of retirement and health insurance is allowed, Megan? I, I'm still not clear on that. Um, I'm going to say no. 
Okay. Because that's the guidance that we've been seeing is that yeah. health insurance for the owner, employer, um, and that would include, I would assume, retirement benefits. Anything beyond that is not allowed. Okay. So let's say, folks, that means doctors, you get $100,000. That's $15,384 for the eight weeks. So you can, and it, and it is very clear in the interim guidance we got last Tuesday, 30 minutes before you and I started doing a webinar together, we're viciously reading this, this document. And, and basically it says, you know, you, you don't get, uh, the owner does not get their health insurance. The owner does not get their retirement. So you get a hundred thousand dollars, but you do get, uh, you get the state payroll taxes in whatever state you're in. Uh, and you also get, uh, the employees, uh, health insurance and retirement. And again, we have to wait until we get the guidance. So remember folks, two rules for forgiveness, 75% of payroll costs, which includes payroll, uh, actual payroll and employee, employee health insurance and retirement contributions. And there's also a rule that says we have to have the same number of full-time employees on June 30th that we had on February the 15th. So, you know, th- th- I'm just going to give you an example, and we're not going to get into all the different nuances, Alan and Megan. So here's an example. So you you have six employees on February 15th, and one of them is pregnant, and they're going to go out on pregnancy leave. So we're going to come back, we hope, by June 30th. So June 30th, uh, your, your, your dental assistant is out on, on, on maternity leave. And now you've got five employees. And the fact is, is when we come back, you know, are we going to be a hundred percent as busy as we were? Nobody knows. We hope, but maybe not. So you're not going to replace that person by June 30th. So we don't have the guidance yet for questions like that. And I'm getting, Alan, you and I and Megan, we're getting all these questions about, well, what about this? And and and, and what if we take this money and we put it behind our back and throw it over our shoulders and do a reverse slam dunk and, and, and pay the retention bonus, but then can we pay salaries? I don't know. We don't know. And remember, the June 30th is only for those people that would have received a loan, say, April 30th. It's the end of your eight-week period that you need to have hired back 75% and have 75% of the payroll. Right, right. So it could be it could be June 15th. Right. And that would be, I mean, I'm going to assume that the majority of folks that receive these loans, even when we're infusing the cash, it's going to happen before April 30th, right? Because the money is probably already, there's already tons of people in the queue that haven't been allocated money. So even when we infuse cash, remember, there's still a large line of people that have already applied waiting for it. So, um, you know, there's some dentists who believe, oh, no, I can wait till June 30th. And I'm like, no, it's the end of your eight week period. And most of you are going to fall. It's whatever comes first, June 30th or the end of your eight week period. Right. And and we're waiting for the guidance on this stuff as far as all the different nuances. I mean, we believe you take two, you know, 850 seconds of $100,000 and 850 seconds of the employee's health insurance and 850. I mean, so we have these spreadsheets. There's two spreadsheets. One is the one you got to use to plan. How are you going to use the money? So, you know, does it mean like for my client that I was talking about, I said, when's your next payroll? He says, May 1st. He's going to get the money on April 20th. I said, so you're going to do a payroll. What would you have paid your employees from April 20th to April 30th. That's your first payroll. Then May 1st to May 15th. Then May 16th to May 31st. And then his, his eight weeks ends actually on June 15th. It, that's the, that's the math. And the, the spreadsheets that, that you guys have all done and that, you know, Maggie and the, and, and the Rosen group have done. Actually, when you put in the start date, it automatically computes 
what eight weeks is. What's the ending date? So you've got to make sure that you follow this because again, remember folks, your, your, your end game is an underwriter at a bank who you don't know is going to look at your package and they're going to say, okay, you borrowed $123,000. Yes, you followed all the rules to a T and you're forgiven $123,000. Or no, you missed uh, box number eight and you're going to be forgiven $110,000. And then the dentist is going to say, okay, that's not right. And they're going to call Alan and Alan is going to, um, so Alan, does your, does your email like have a limit of how many emails you can get a day? <laughs> I mean, how many freaking emails have you gotten in the last, like, on a day? I mean, I'm averaging about 300 a day. Well. Yours has got to be more. It's crazy, Art. Uh, when Megan and I did that ADA webinar, um, I think it was um, March the 27th or so, I had, there was 10,000 folks on the webinar, and I had 1,200 emails. When oh, I my up. God. 1,200. Almost <laughs> 1,200 emails. Yeah, that's one. Anyone who can't get in touch with Alan then calls me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Alan, don't be don't be giving Megan's. No, no, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, it's been it's been insane. And everybody's got a question and everything is a panic. And and, and Alan and Megan, let's talk a little bit. I mean, I want to get above this PPP because I'll tell you what, you know, and and Megan, I want to I want to get into some of the other resources that the ADA has for dentists, because I want to say again, and I've said this on other podcasts, um, you know, I. I had I had not had much interaction with anybody from the ADA uh, in the past. I have such respect for your organization and how hard you're fighting. Remember, folks, there's 163,000 members of the ADA. Megan is is trying to get the ear of a congressman or a senator or the White House. You've got the airline industry. You've got the Teamsters. You've got the steel workers. You've got industries that the restaurant industry. I mean, the restaurant industry is just being totally decimated by this thing i mean so you've got all these industries and and megan and 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 mike graham and 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 you know the 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 folks at ada are are doing what they can is that a challenge megan as far as the 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 you know you're you're being the the membership your size versus you're going up against these these humongous organizations that have millions and millions of employees well the great thing about the ada is its reputation is pretty well um respected in DC. Mike, who's been with the ADA since the early 90s, is also an individual who's well-respected. So I have to say the ADA has better access and an easier time bending people's ears than a number of the other groups who maybe are great and have great members, but just haven't built that kind of reputational, um, you know, buy-in that that the ADA has. But yeah, it's still hard. I mean, we're working hard, but staff on the Hill is working just as hard trying to navigate all these different constituent needs and stakeholder needs, depending on what the industry is in their congressional district. The great thing is, is everybody has dentists in their congressional district. Right. Everybody has a dentist that's going to vote for them or not vote for them. And dentists, as you know, are very vocal about their opinions Yes. and very, very eager to have anyone listen to them that will listen to them. Our grassroots network of dentists is great. So it's hard, but it would be harder if we didn't have a profession that was respected we didn't have an association that was so well-respected on the Hill. Megan, talk about some of the other resources that dentists can get at that maybe they don't know about. I mean, this, the ADA is not focusing 100% on PPP. I mean, there, there's the other side of this of what does a dental office going to look like when it reopens? What are the safety gear? What is all? Talk about the resources that dentists can go to uh, that the ADA offers. 
So the ADA has a specific, I encourage everybody to use the website first and foremost to get like kind of the breadth of everything we're doing. And there is a COVID specific webpage for our members where they can find out about what the discussions are internally for PPE, what the discussions are internally for the next legislative package, which would be my division. Then we're also going to have practice issues. We're going to have people who are dealing with student loan issues, the new dentists that are graduating that are scared that they're not going to have any jobs to go to either in the larger group dental practices or the smaller ones. Um, we're gonna have different states opening up at different times, meaning that practices are gonna have, you know, what's happening in California is maybe not what's gonna happen in Alabama. And so we not only have a federal um, lobbying wing, but we also have the state lobbying wing of our division. They're gonna have to deal with all those issues as well. But all of those things are on the COVID resources page. Um, then along with help from ADCPA, we have resources on its own small business page. We've created an entire page that's just on small business loan issues. And then starting this week, we're going to have an entire page that's just dedicated to our advocacy efforts at the federal and state level for what we need to, to do next. I mean, I, like you, have started to become so much more knowledgeable on why dentists are much more vulnerable than other medical specialties when it comes to this virus and why we need to be very aggressive about that on the Hill. That because of the aerosol situation, you have saliva in the air that can linger for much longer, and we need to make sure dentists are not not only not forgotten when it comes to PPE, but one of the first and foremost people to receive it, along with on-site testing that we would like all dental offices to be able to take advantage of. Um, other kinds of tax incentives, I mean, this isn't over in terms of us fighting for other kinds of tax reform. We send letters, we sent three letters already just on Friday, alone on various issues, one for Medicaid providers, one's on PPE, and the other letter we sent what that Alan and you have seen is on not only increasing PPE loans, but asking for the flexibility and asking for better guidance for um, the grants and loan programs. So, so, I mean, those are not only resources in the advocacy wing, but again, if you're an ADA member, go to the website, there's a COVID page, and then if there are things up there that you want to have answers on, reach out to us. Let us know what it is that you need too. That's another thing. Um, we have 163,000 members. They're not all the same. We had a call with a larger group dental practice that doesn't fall in with the small business loans, but also the Main Street Lending Program isn't going to be beneficial for them either. Right. And they are much more susceptible to problems with viruses because the larger group dental practices have more patients, have more providers. So all of these issues, we have self-employed dentists, we have retiring dentists that want to sell to... I mean, we just... Go to the website, but again, you're still a member. If you're one of our members, that we want to hear from you. If you're not seeing anything that's helpful to you, so I, we don't know. We don't know. So I was listening to a webinar that was put on by Marco Vujicic. I hope I pronounce his name correctly. He's the chief economist yep. and and vice president of the. I do numbers real well, Megan. Letters I'm not so good at. So Marco <laughs> Vujicic. Uh, you pronounce. Long time to get Marco's name right. Okay, so Marco's the health, the the chief economist and the vice president of the Health Policy Institute. I've actually used the health policies numbers as an expert witness for many many times of averages of this and that. So interesting. They they polled twenty six thousand dentists. Seventy six percent of them are closed but seeing emergencies. Nineteen percent closed but not seeing no emergencies. Um, larger groups. Um, more of them are fully closed, which was very interesting. And 65% closed but seeing emergencies. Uh, oral surgeons and endodontists, and I've talked to oral surgeons and endodontists, 
they're seeing emer- they're seeing more people. They're seeing it because endo is an emergency driven uh, profession, uh, the specialty. Oral surgery, to some extent, is a is a specialty is an emergency driven. So they're seeing seeing more people. Eighty four percent of dentists seeing less than normal volume. The rural states seem to be less impacted. So they they have all these charts and graphs, and they're showing Wyoming and Utah and and and, and um, uh, Montana are are less impacted uh, by the COVID nineteen virus. And they said that as of the week of April sixth. 11% of dental offices are paying their staffs completely, 45% partially, and 44% not paying them at all. And, and dentists are very worried. So, again, reach out to the ADA. Um, reach out to the Academy of Dental CPAs. We've got the the absolute up-to-date information about, um, you know, w- what is going on. So, I, I want to talk a little bit, guys. You know, we have a little bit of time left, and, and if we go a little over, I don't really care at this point. Um, we can go a little longer than an hour, which we normally do, but this is really important. I want to talk about this PPP, and I want to talk about this eight weeks, and I want to talk about the fact that, Alan, a lot of our dentists have been really, really worried and concerned saying, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. We, we, we don't, we're not going to get this money before we open. And, and Megan and the ADA, I mean, I'm sure many of you got a copy of the letter that went to 100 and, uh, went to, uh, uh, House Speaker Pelosi, Kevin McCarthy, Chuck Schumer, and, um, uh, and Mitch McConnell. He got, got that letter and, um, basically asking for us to give some flexibility. I mean, Megan, the likelihood that they're going to give us any kind of flexibility being that the money, a lot of it has already been doled out. That's part of it too. Is- People are accepting these terms as is. Yeah, not seeing anyone not accepting these terms as is. So, so yeah, so that that's yeah. not likely. But but I want to talk about this, and I, I want to get your takes on this. See, I see this as an opportunity, as a glass. I mean, this is the most horrible thing that any of us is going to see in our lifetimes. Uh, you know, Alan and I are, or I will affectionately call you and I, Alan Grayhairs. Uh, Megan does not, although by the time this is over, she's she's gonna. I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully not. But anyway, so so I want to look at this as an opportunity. So my client, who I was talking about earlier, he says to me, Art, I've hired my people back six hours a day before I even got this PPP money. Okay, he took money out of his savings because he saw the value in this. And he said, Art, we have called every single patient in our practice, not to ask them for money, not to ask them, well, are you, make sure you make your next appointment because we don't know when that's going to be, but just how are you? How are you holding up? We want to let you know we're here. You know, we, we've got these safety, you know, the ADA is working real close with us on these safety procedures and tell us what to do. When we open, we're, we're going to be safer than, um, uh, y- you know, than, than any place you could come. And, and here's what his comment was. He says, Art, we have reached out. I have personally called many of our patients and we've reached out and my team has reached out. And you know what, Art? We're not going to miss a beat because every one of our patients said, Oh, no, no, we know where we're going and we'll be there and we can't wait till you open up. Let's talk about that for a second. Is that everybody's worried about, Oh, I'm not going to get this money and I'm going to pay people to sit home. Well, maybe we don't pay them to sit home. Let's talk about that for a second. I think that's really important. So I have this great story from a dentist who emailed me to say, you know, I've kept my employees on and we are taking this time to go through training. We are taking this time to, you know, maybe collectively come together and see what we can do to promote the business. And then if we have downtime, she's like, we go volunteer our time. We go to nonprofits during working hours and we do what we can to, you know, whatever my employees feel safe doing, whether it's donating food to food banks or what have you. 
they are working in the community as much as they can. Because like you said, your patients are part of your community. Checking in with them is a great way to, you know, reestablish or continually, you know, keep your relationship going with your patients. And I'm seeing a lot of dentists who are doing this, who are using this time to figure out any number of things or to do more clinical training again. And it's, it's been great to see. I mean, it's not, they don't have to sit at home. Um, if, if they feel safe coming into the office, that's another thing, you know, our dentist owners aren't forcing anyone to come in the office that don't feel comfortable doing it as of yet. Um, but yeah, we're seeing a lot of those great stories out there. It's not wasted time. Alan, any thoughts on this? Yeah. Our, yeah. Thanks for asking. I, uh, I see the negative as a positive. I think it gives, it creates opportunity. It creates opportunity to bring the teams together. Um, they can meet once or twice a week through a Zoom meeting. Uh, they can brainstorm. They can think about marketing issues that maybe they haven't addressed because they've been so busy up until this point. Um, maybe redoing the office manual uh, would be um, something that they may want to put on their checklist. They may want to start thinking about their PPE requirements and and look to the ADA for guidance and then start thinking about how they're going to get those things in place. So when we do get the permission to reopen, we're ready to go. I think it's just a great opportunity to bring the team together. I think it ultimately will strengthen the team beyond what the team was prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. So, so again, this is a, this is a, and Alan, you and I have talked about this. This is a legacy moment for us at the ADCPA. Alan, how long have you been in dentistry? (laughs) <laughs> All right, it feels like about 2,000 years now, doesn't it? Oh, my God. I've been teaching at a local uh, uh, dental school for 34 years, so it's been a long time. Yeah, and I, I, I started my career at the uh, Pacific Institute, which is now the Pride Institute, in 19 September. It was the day after Labor Day of 1984 that I started, so it's been thir- September will be 36 years, and, and, and you and I – have 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 been blessed to work in the dental profession. I know Megan, you're you're kind of new to the dental profession. What a couple of years you said, and, and some of the people. I mean, Alan, I I know that, that that some of your best friends, some of my best friends, are dentists, and 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 they are just absolutely the most wonderful, caring, helpful people. I know when I refer people to dentists, um, you know, my my friends to a dentist, and, and they 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 just tell me, oh my god, they're wonderful. So, so this is a legacy moment, Alan, for you and I and everybody at the ADCPA. And, and, and we, we have been working overtime, like Megan and Michael, Michael Graham at the, uh, Michael's your, your boss, right? Megan? Senior vice president of, yes, he's my boss boss. Yeah. He's, he's a great guy. So uh, we'll, let's do a shout out to Michael. He's been also working with us. He's also, also Michael, Michael, if you're listening, you are also now an honorary member of the Academy of Dental CPAs. I just <laughs> want to let you know. And Alan, I'm making that decision uh, on your behalf, if that's okay. But, but, but. It, it's a legacy moment, and, and we need to help the dental profession. And I know, Alan, you and I and everybody in the ADCPA have been reaching out to people and answering their questions and trying to help them, and and, and we're going to continue to do that right through all of this. But let's talk about what goes on after this eight weeks worth of money runs out because, folks, it will. It will be eight weeks, and by June or July or maybe even sooner, um, you're going to be back there. You may be back in your dental offices. We certainly hope so. I mean, last week the the president basically gave the states the carte blanche to operate any way they want. I mean, here in Southern California, Ventura County is a county they they've only had about you know less than three hundred cases in Ventura County, you know, million people, and so they're opening up parts of Ventura County. So parts of the country are going to open. 
what's going to happen in the dental profession. Megan, have you heard anything about what, you know, maybe when ADA is thinking or is it just we're just too soon? It's too soon. I mean, the la- yeah. latest has been, you know, the end of this month. And, uh, you know, again, and like you just pointed out, it's going to vary state by state. You know, some of the states who were able to clamp us down a lot earlier and flatten the curve a lot earlier may be feeling comfortable to open things back up. So the ADA can make recommendations, but it's also going to be up to each individual state and each individual practice to to make those decisions that they're comfortable with and that their employees are comfortable with. That's right. And, and, and it is a safety issue, folks. And it, it's going to be, there, there's going to be uh, some issues coming back. But again, what Alan and Megan and I want to stress to you is how important it is. And our listening audience, by the way, through this has tripled. It, it's, it's amazing how many people are, uh, have been kind enough to listen to the podcast. And I thank every single one of you. Please tell all your friends because this is the type of messaging we're going to be sending out until this is, till this is done is, is this information is folks, you are going to come out on the other side. You do need to make some financial plans. Get with your ADCPA member. Sit down and say, all right, how am I going to get through the rest of the year? Where is this going to come from? Do I have lines of credit? Do I need to borrow from my retirement plan? Um, what do I need to do to get through this? I mean, nobody knows how fast it's going to come back. I mean, here's an example. I was talking to an orthodontist the other day. The orthodontist says, Art, not only am I going to be busy, I'm going to have to be working seven days a week in overtime because I've got all these patients who have not been in the office for two or three months who need adjustments, and they're all going to want to come in at once. So he says, can I use some of this PPP money up front? I go, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yet. So, so we are on, on, on the, uh, the cutting edge of this. I mean, Megan has been absolutely amazing about like when she gets an update, it immediately goes to Alan and I and everybody at the ADCPA. Megan, thank you so much for that. We're very appreciative. I mean, you know, you, you see all the TV commercials and everybody says we're all in this together. Well, I, I truly believe that the American Dental Association has been advocating like, no other group for for the 163 members for all of you uh and we're and they've been working together with us the academy of dental cpas and and, and i'm sorry this is my podcast i get to say it. we are the premier dental cpa group the premier 24 firms out there there is no better and we are on top of this stuff and we're, we're here to help you know um send me emails i've, I've answered couple hundred questions from you guys. Well, what does this mean? Does this, how does a sole proprietor work? I've answered, I believe every single one of them. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to continue to do this. Alan's getting, you know, 27 million emails a day and it's crazy. And, you know, Megan's, uh, uh, you know, I, I, you don't have gray hair yet. I hope you don't get it, but I, I don't know how you're going to avoid it. It's, it's been crazy, but. So, so guys, any, any last thoughts? I think we covered everything. I mean, the key is if you haven't applied for your PPP Monday, I mean, well, you, you'll listen to this on Monday. Get it done. If that, if you want it, if not, you get to use the, the retention tax credit. But uh, Megan, any, any final words or thoughts that you have, uh, that you want to tell our listeners? Well, I mean, I too agree that the ADCPA is the leading, um, accounting association. We, we use them. There's a reason why the ADA uses them, obviously. Um, you, you guys especially, but um, we need you because we need, again, for you to help us translate this for your clients. Um, I will say I agree. I mean, I think we're going to come out on the other side of this. I am very hopeful for the profession. Uh, they are, again, these 163,000 members. Um, I work with a lot of the volunteer dentists all the time, and they're wonderful, and they're easy to represent. 
when you like the people you represent, it makes it much easier for you to represent them um, and to do it more aggressively, honestly. So um, I'm very hopeful for the profession. And I, I, like you, am really hopeful that people are going to continue to focus on their oral health as an essential part of their health. And they're going to go to their dentist first and they're going to want to go in and get their cleanings as soon as possible. And, you know, that we'll see that busyness, I hope, happen sooner rather than later. Um, you know, we have a lot of information out there at the ADA. We have our own podcast. It's called Tooth Talk. Oh. Um, I wanted brushing up, but I was out there. <laughs> well, once you get some seniority, Megan, you'll get to, you'll get that more of a say probably. Yes, but that's run by our PAC department, the people who do all the campaign fundraising. Um, and so that's a, something that you would listen to. The, the latest episode is with Mike Graham. So he gets to talk about all the things that we've been doing um, at the ADA. And, you know, again, use the resources and then use use me. I mean, you know, Art can share my contact information with anybody who might need it. If you have concerns or questions that you don't think is being addressed by the ADA, please reach out and let us know. So, folks, just so you know, and, and we're going to we'll, I'll have Alan give his last word. And then um, if you go to our website, which is www.hmwccpas.com, you'll see the show notes for this, and it will also have uh, both Alan's and Megan's contact information in it. Uh, you can email me at artweeder at gmail.com, and uh, I will get you in touch with um, with Megan or any member in your area of the ADCPA. Alan, some final thoughts? Yeah, or, you know, I was thinking as you were going through the question of final thoughts, the ADCPA, which was founded in 2001, almost 20 years ago, really just was built on two things, caring and sharing. And that's what we're doing right now. Yep. And I want to encourage all the listeners, um, if you have a particular issue and you don't have a dental-specific CPA, or maybe your CPA isn't being reactive, reach out to one of our members. I will guarantee you each of our members will take time, will take time to listen, and we'll take time to respond to you, even though you may not be a client of their firm, because we are all about caring and sharing. And uh, this is our moment to do that. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, Megan Mortimer, you are a godsend to the dental profession, as is everybody who works with you and Mike Graham and, and everybody at ADA up to your president and your executive director. God bless all of you. God bless the dental profession. We are going to get through this. I have been using a, wor- a, a term, and I will use it again, folks. It's five words. Failure is not an option. Absolutely not. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to basically step up and do some of these things and look at where you're going to be. If you put your head in the sand, it's, it's, it's gonna, it's not going to be as good as if you're really proactive. Reach out to your patients, reach out to your team. Uh, there's so many great webinars about, you know, everything out there. So let me give out some additional information for everybody. First, I want to again give another shout out to our sponsor for today. Um, Crosstex International, a proud member of the Euphrates Group. Crosstex has got all kinds of um, resources for you when you come out of this. They specialize in personal protection equipment, dental unit, water line treatment, chemistry, sterilization, preventatives, nitrous oxide equipment, and single-use disposable products. So so this would be a great company that's um, Crosstex International, C-R-O-S-S-T-E-X, International, and, and look at what they've got so that there'll be a resource for you for this protective gear when, when you do open up again. Um, 
Again, if you have a question for me, my office number is 714-505-9000. Email me with anything. You have a question. You don't know where to turn. You have, you have a, a concern, whatever. W, I mean, sorry, artweederman at gmail.com. Just email me. I have answered hundreds of emails in the past two to three weeks. Um, decisions and dentistry's, um, uh, webpage, www.decisionsanddentistry.com. You can get the podcast there. You get a lot of great continuing education. Boy, this is a great time to do all the classes that you haven't had time to do. All the things that you haven't had time to do, uh, in the last, uh, uh, you know, four or five, uh, you know, 30 years you can do now. And they've got great CE courses. Um, uh, and, and again, finally, you know, if you are looking for a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, uh, Alan's firm is, uh, just outside of Baltimore, Maryland. I'm in Southern California. Um, there's 24 of us, uh, 24 firms. Every area of the United States is pretty much covered. Uh, go to www.adcpa.org. Uh, don't forget to listen to, uh, uh, LG Goodman and Associates, uh, uh, webinar on Thursday. It's Thursday at 1.30 in, uh, Eastern time. That would be 10.30 Pacific time. And, uh, again, Alan and Megan, thank you so, so much for everything that you have done for dentistry and everything that you're going to do. And, and we're here for the dentists. We are here to help them and we will again all together get through it. So guys, thank you so much. Thank you, Art. And that's it for this edition of this very, very special edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman, CPA. God bless every one of you. Please, please stay safe. Follow the social distancing. The sooner that we we can get this horrible, horrible virus to stop spreading, the sooner we can get back to some semblance of normal life. And we will. And it will happen. So bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.